quick recap. Week number one, we looked at the patterns of judgment in the Bible, and these patterns were explained. In week number two, we looked at the reasons for judgment. So it wasn't just that judgment is upon us. God is faithful to give reasons for this that we might avoid it. Week number three, the decree of judgment was finally pronounced, and it was by fire. But along with the pronouncement of judgment and the decree was the prescription of God's favor was also laid out. If you followed those principles, there it is, the, the faithfulness of God in his favor. Week number four, last week, we got warnings against idolaters, against those who lead others into sin. We also got warnings against us as the faithful if we become complacent. And what we defined as complacent was someone who has the ability to share the salvation message with others or good news message of God and doesn't. They've become complacent. The Bible uses the Hebrew word that meant to freeze or to congeal or to become non-mobile anymore. And there was a warning of judgment and guilt for those of us if we ever become complacent in the kingdom of God. You, you see, the kingdom of God was always meant that you would become part of an army and that army has a job, it has a commission, it has a mission, and that is an active mission. It's not a passive kingdom. And that leads us to tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'm gonna be in Zephaniah chapter two. These are gonna be the main text, and next week we're gonna cover chapter three, but chapter two is our primary text tonight. And we're gonna start with the list. We all love lists in the Bible. You know, my kids are on a, a reading cycle for their schooling and for their private devotions, and you can always tell when they get to a list, a genealogical list, or a list of the land disbursement, or a list of how many bulls had to be killed on what holiday. There's always a list somewhere, right? God loves lists. Me and him are tight like that. We love lists. It keeps us thinking orderly. It keeps things in rows and columns. Y'all are gonna be surprised when we get to heaven and there's a big spreadsheet out and God has taken us through it. Y'all are gonna be surprised. He's very orderly. He knows where everything goes. And my kids always ask me, when I get to the list, do I have to read the list? So tonight I'm gonna make sure that you get the summary of the list. And listen for some of the names and areas because those of us that live in Israel, you're gonna recognize these places. We show up here in Zephaniah. So chapter two starts with a warning. It first warns Judah, and then Gaza, and then the Philistines, and then Ashdod, and Ashkelon, Ekron, then Canaan in general, the Karathite people, Moab, Assyria, Cush, Sodom, Gomorrah, the Ammonites, and there's more to the list, but, but God is saying to each one of these groups, and he's identifying, he's saying, if you will listen to my voice. I've told you the pattern of judgment, I've decreed that it's coming, but I've also given, given you the prescription for my favor. Would you please listen to my voice? It's like one more time. It's like when you say to your child, you're not listening. Hey, listen. Listen to dad's voice. We, we, have, a, we have four children. Wonderful children, gorgeous children, praise God. And the fourth one, the youngest one, is three years old. And she's a bit different than everybody else. She, she's a little bit more of a challenge in some areas. She's high energy. She's highly intelligent. She had verbal skills very early on. 
So when you have a high intelligent child with a lot of verbal skills early on, you get some very funny things they say. Because they're, they're using words that they're not sure contextually that are appropriate because they're so far ahead of where some of the other children will be. And so my youngest one, if she doesn't listen, hey, hey, listen, listen. You're not listening to dad's voice. Dad's voice goes up a little bit. Hey, hey, you're not listening. Did I get your attention? I'm over here. Sometimes it has to go up two or three notches. She says to me the other day, hey, dad, I really like your softer voice. And I said, well, that's great. We agree. I like my softer voice too. If you will listen to my softer voice, then we don't have to get into the louder voice, do we? That's what God is saying right here to all this list of people. If you'll listen to my soft voice, I, I like to come like a gentle whisper, but if you'll listen to that, then you get the gentle whisper. But if you don't listen to the whisper, I've got to ratchet it up a couple of notches so that you can hear me because I love you. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to give you my favor. And that's what God is addressing to the early list. Look in chapter two, verse four. Because to the same list, God is gonna take something away from them. Watch this. Zephaniah 2, verse four. Gaza will be abandoned and Ashkelon left in ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied and Ekron uprooted. Woe to you who live by the sea, you Karathite people. The word of the Lord is against you, Canaan, land of the Philistines. He says, I will destroy you and none will be left. The land by the sea will become pastures, having wells for shepherds and pens for flocks. That land will belong to the remnant of the people of Judah. There they will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. I don't know if you caught it because we're gonna read several other repeated themes about the same topic. God is saying, if you don't listen to my soft voice, I'm gonna have to enact the judgment on you that I told you about. And part of that judgment, nations, is I'm gonna take your land away from you. You say, oh, but, but I thought God only dealt with the covenant land of Israel. That's the only land I've ever heard about. I've only heard about that God controls the physicality of the nation of Israel, and he, and he promised that on covenant to Abraham. That's the only land he gives as covenant. No. The Bible says that God has the right to give and take away land to any nation he wishes. That some of the nations, some of the people groups have taken it for granted that God has been so generous to them. And when they don't listen to his soft voice, he takes it away from them. You say, I thought only Israel was exiled. No. Israel's not so unique in that category. God has exiled other people as well to get their attention because he loves them not to be harsh with them. Remember, he wants the gentle voice. But when our children don't listen, we gotta go up a notch or two sometimes. I even say that in my parenting. And I don't claim to be the greatest parent in the world. I really don't. But I tell you what I do try, I try to have fun with our parenting. It's a long, it's a long race. It's a long run. You better have fun with it. Especially when you got four kids and they're as spaced out as my kids. I have an 18-year-old and a three-year-old. Okay, that's a, that's a big gap. People say, how you doing? I'm good. I've been tired for about 18 years. It's a long race. You got to have fun with it. So I said, now I've started to use my daughter's own words. I say, hey, 
Do you hear me? Hey, do you hear me? Tell me when you hear me. Tell me when you hear me. Tell me when you hear me. I hear you, Dad. Well, tell me when you hear me. Let's get on about the business of parenting. And that's what God is saying to us here. But the land is being taken away from someone who's not listening, catch it, and being given to someone who will listen. He repeats this theme again in verse 8 and 9. Look at it. Zephaniah 2, 8 and 9. I have heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, surely Moab will become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place of weeds and salt pits, a wasteland forever. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nation will inherit their land. You see how God has the capacity to take land away and give it, not only to Israel, but to other nations. And that's why he's looping everybody into this judgment statement. Hey guys, if we don't pay attention, if we don't walk according to the ways of the Lord, land will be taken. And it doesn't just sit there desolate. God is going to give it to someone else so that the land would prosper. And in this case, twice now, we've heard that God would take the land from these nations that are disobedient, and he would give the land to a group that he calls the remnant. And that's where you're gonna see us spend a lot of our time tonight, the remnant. Because the Bible carries with it the principle of the remnant. The phrase or the principle is mentioned 65 times at least in the Bible. There are a few different words that are used, but the word that is used most often is she'arit in Hebrew. It means the rest, the rest of something else, a remainder of something that was before. It comes from the root word lehisha'er. It's a word we still use today if we want to stay in a place or leave something behind. There's a couple of different ways we can use that root but it comes from that same root we use in modern day, something that is left over. It is clearly describing, when it calls this people a remnant, it's clearly describing a smaller piece of what was a larger whole, right? It's a big piece of pie, and now what's left over after you don't eat the whole pizza is the remnant, it's the, it's the leftover piece. And that's the word in Hebrew that's repeated most often when we're talking about the principle of the remnant. It's, a, it's the same phrase that Joseph used in conveying to us his God-given created destiny about what he was called to do. Look at Genesis 45, 7, or at least make a note. He says, but God sent me ahead of you. That's God sent me, Joseph, ahead of you, my brothers, my other tribal brothers, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Sha'arit is used there. And speaking of Jerusalem's deliverance from the Assyrian army power and from King Sennacherib, we find a verse in 2 Kings 19, 30 and 31. God says, once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above for out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Same Hebrew word is used, sha'arit, from lehisha'el, 
the remainder, to remain, to leave something behind. So it should be clear from this compilation of verses that we're speaking of a group that remains. They are not like the larger whole. It is something smaller. And did you know as believers in Yeshua, we are the remnant? I want that to sink in tonight. And you might say, well, are you talking, are you talking to the Jews in the room or are you talking to the Gentiles in the room? Both. I'm going to prove to you here in just a moment we're talking about both. That we as believers are the remnant. There's some definition to different promises that God gives to different groups. Surely there is. There's different callings, different promises. But we both serve the role of a remnant. Jeremiah 23, verse 3. God says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I was reminded as we study this principle of the remnant, the great prophet Elijah. You see, Elijah had forgotten momentarily that God consistently deals with a pattern and principle of the remnant. For God, this is a big deal. That's why I'm, I'm focusing on it tonight. And I want you and us as a community to see ourselves written into the Bible that we are part of a remnant. Elijah forgot about this for a minute. He forgot the ways of the Lord that God preserves a group special for himself always. First Kings chapter 19, and the backdrop here is that Queen Jezebel, who was not the greatest queen in our history. She's quite evil. She's quite mean, actually. She's an idolatry-driven person. She promotes idolatry in Israel. She goes after the prophets of God, the true believers. And now she's set her sights on Elijah, and she says to Elijah, I'm coming after you. And Elijah gives in to fear, as I'm sure a lot of us would struggle with, we're human, he's human. He gives in to fear, he's concerned. And these are the words that he has. 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 14. Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, king, of, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Machlah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. What's the point? The point is God is ahead of us. He's, he's way down the road. He's seen the future. He has seen the persecution and he preserves a faithful remnant for himself always. When Israel 
in its infancy stage was about to succumb to famine, God took Joseph and he put him ahead of Israel, the rest of the brothers, and he said, go preserve a remnant. Make sure we have a way. Last night, I was at one of our campuses and we were ministering and there was a, a Jewish believer there, uh, fairly young in the Lord, about three years old in the Lord. And I was getting to know him a little bit more. And he said, you, you know, when I first became a believer in Yeshua, the town in which I live in, it's about 25,000 people in that town. And he said, you know, I thought I was the only believer in Yeshua in the whole town. And he said, it took me over a year to meet another believer in this town. And I said, well, you know, I know very well about that town. I've lived in that town. And I can tell you right now, I know of at least four community groups, not all from King of Kings, but four community groups of believers in that town. I also know that another congregational friend of ours has tried to plant the new congregation in that town. I would, I would venture to say there are several hundred believers in your town. He couldn't believe it. He was like, what? Where are all these believers? I said, listen, don't give in to the lie of the devil. The devil will try to do one of two things. He will try to isolate you so that you live alone because you're, you're easy to attack when you're alone. And if he can't get you to live alone, he's going to try to convince you that you are alone. He's going to try to do one, of the, one or the other, one of, the, one of either of these options. Either make you alone or convince you that you are alone. Elijah forgot about the principle of the remnant. And God said, Elijah, don't ever forget, this is how I operate. I'm ahead of you. I preserve for myself. There is a remnant of 7,000 faithful prophets who have not given in to idolatry of Jezebel and Baal. And the Hebrew word, of course, used here is the same root. But in this passage, it's used in the past tense. He sharked thee. I preserved. I did it. I left a remainder. I, I planned all of this. It's that same root we've seen in about five passages tonight already. You see, God does not let his promises fail. And even though the people of Israel, as a collective national group, and I need you to hear me on this because one of the things I get to do pastorally is I get to shape our theology and doctrine into sound theology and doctrine. We believe in the whole word of God, Genesis to Revelation. We believe it's one consistent story of salvation and redemption. We believe God never changes. Remember the, the title of the series, Does God Change? The answer is no. So we look for patterns, and when we find patterns in the scripture, we build theology on patterns. We don't build theology on singular verses, right? It's important that we know that. And so I wanna shape some doctrine for you tonight, and that is this, that even though the people of Israel, as a collective national group, rejected the covenants of God, rejected the Messiah, rejected the ways of the Lord, and did not listen to his soft voice, God had to raise his voice louder and send them into exile multiple times. But even though this happened, there was always a faithful remnant that followed the Lord. Always. The covenant of Israel remains intact 
for two connection points. Hear me on this. I had, I had a philosophy and theological doctor one time, we were discussing the, the remnant of Israel, and he was looking at the verses in Romans, have I rejected my people beyond recovery by no means? And, and he took this approach and he said, but Israel collectively, they rejected the Messiah, so God rejected them. And I said, buddy, you need to read Romans again. Yes, Israel rejected the Messiah as a national group, as a collective whole, but not everybody in Israel did that. God has always preserved for himself a faithful remnant from among the larger whole, a small group. And it is through the faithfulness of the small remnant and the ever faithful God that that bridge of covenant stays connected. You say, well, I thought it only depended on God. Well, God will always be faithful. He's not going to break his covenants. He just stands there waiting for us to do our part. But if there's never a faithful remnant, then God is standing there by himself at the altar. There's nobody there marrying him. He has a partner in this, and that is the remnant. God has always preserved for himself a faithful remnant to connect to his faithfulness. There's a faithful remnant. And the covenants have always been preserved on these two bases. Let me take you to our first key phrase of the night. Even though the Jewish people rejected Yeshua as the Messiah, as a collective national group, there has always been a faithful Jewish remnant of believers that have preserved the ongoing covenant with God. Elijah had to learn that lesson. You say, well, what about the exile? They were all unfaithful. That's not true. Where do you think the majority of the prophets were in this story? Jeremiah and Isaiah, they were faithful people. They were holding on to that remnant covenant promise. What about Mordecai and Esther and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? We could go on about the faithfulness of the prophets, of the writers. There was always a faithful remnant. Unless you be concerned, if you're in the room and maybe you're not from the Jewish family line tonight, maybe you're concerned, am I part of this? God has an important role for Gentile believers to play. Because whether or not you realize this, Gentile believers, you are also part of a faithful remnant. You see, the Jewish believers are a small remnant of a greater Jewish nation. But a Gentile believer is a small part of a much larger earth whole. A Gentile believer is a remnant of all of the Gentile, believer, uh, Gentile people around the world who don't believe. Just like the Jewish believers are a remnant of the Jewish nation that doesn't believe. Do you understand? And it's important that God continues to make these comparisons and similarities because it helps us to work together as a team. Let me remind you of a couple of these similarities. Jews and Gentiles... Are we or are we not both saved by the same grace of God? Yes? Romans 3.22, the righteousness is given through the faith in Yeshua, the Messiah, to all who believe, and there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Let me be clear. Because it's talking about salvation and faith, it can then go more specific and say, when it comes to salvation and faith, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. 
Everybody comes to the Messiah the same way. That doesn't mean Jews and Gentiles are called to do the exact same thing. They're not always called to live the exact same way, especially in their cultural expressions, sometimes even in their covenantal outworkings. But when it comes to salvation and faith, Jew and Gentile, there's no difference in how we, how we are saved. Romans 8 and 9 both make it clear that Jews are adopted into God's family. They were the first adopted sons, but also Gentiles are adopted. Did you know that? Jews are adopted. Gentiles are adopted, Romans 8 and 9. Romans 11 makes it clear that both Jews and Gentile believers are branches in God's olive tree. Uh, what, I, what am I doing? I'm building the similarities for you. I'm building the patterns of the scripture. We don't build theology on one verse. We build it on patterns. Exodus 19, verse 6, and 1 Peter 2, verse 9, both make it clear that Jews are a royal priesthood and a holy nation, and Gentile believers are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So we're all remnants. We all come to salvation the same way. We are both adopted into God's family. We are both branches in God's olive tree. We are both a royal priesthood. We are both a holy nation. Gentile believers, you have to understand the importance of your role. Don't ever feel like you're on the outside somehow. You are a partner in this with Israel. That doesn't mean you have to act Jewish or live like a Jew or call yourself a Jew. We're not saying any of that. But you're a partner in what God is trying to do in the preservation of the remnant on earth. And now that we've confirmed both Jewish believers and Gentile believers are both remnants working together, God is taking away, back to our original text, Zephaniah 2, God is taking away the land from the unfaithful, he's taking away the prosperity, he's taking away that favor, and he's giving that favor to the remnant. It's the gift of faithfulness to the remnant. Now be careful here. There are some boundaries that we want to note. And that is, when it comes to the physical land of Israel, we believe that the physical land of Israel was given to the Jewish people. And there are some other promises like the high priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, things like that, that are specific to the Jewish people. But there are many promises there are many other covenants given by God, coming out of God's heart that he wants to bestow on all of us, many of them. And it's a great Bible study to do with your community group. What promises of God can be accepted and received by both Jew and Gentile? You know, the word of God is a gift to both. Holy Spirit living inside of you is a gift to both. That you would be promised walking in power, living in power, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. That was promised to everybody. A lot of promises of God are to both Jew and Gentile. I often speak about our created destiny. And I'm gonna use this little note as a segue and a preview of next week. Next week I'm gonna talk about spiritual transformation from Zephaniah. Spiritual transformation. And the one thing that I've noticed that I'm going to really go deeper into next week is that I think many in the body of Messiah have gotten the goal wrong. 
I don't think we've fully understood how big the goal of God is. Because I heard someone say this week in study that the role of the local congregation, its leaders and its people, its primary role is spiritual transformation. And I thought, that's a, it's an important part, but that is, that is not the end goal. That is not all to God's plan. Spiritual transformation is important. Thus, a lot of our efforts go into spiritual transformation. But God's, God's goal is actually bigger than that. And I'm gonna teach you a little bit about that next week. Worship team, why don't you come and help? You know I often speak of the destinies, the created destiny. Our created destiny is to rule and reign with the Messiah. It's not just spiritual transformation. I told my wife that yesterday in our, our private devotions, we were reading together, and I, and I said, you know, we weren't just redeemed and our sins forgiven that we would just stand there neutral and do nothing. Right? He didn't save you from sin so that you would do nothing. He didn't save Israel from Egypt so that they would just be in the desert as free people. There was a destiny for them, so it is with us. It's not just spiritual transformation. That's not the end. There's a destiny for us, and our destiny is to learn to rule and reign with the Messiah. We need spiritual transformation to prepare for that. But the goal is to rule and reign with the Messiah. Zephaniah, you see, he wants us to keep our eyes on the prize, and he paints a very big picture. He wants us to follow the Lord to be a good example to the world around us. He doesn't want us to get caught up in idolatry or causing others to sin or complacency. He wants us to remember that we are called with a purpose, whether we're Jew or whether we're Gentile, and that we are both a remnant meant to work together as the one new man. And so we close with our second key phrase tonight. One day, Israel will lose all of her friends except one. The remnant of the Gentile believers and the body of Messiah. This is predicted as part of judgment of the earth. We know where this is headed. Israel will lose all of her friends nationally, governmentally around the world. Israel will be stuck in a place where all nations are coming against it. And when Israel feels like Elijah, God, I'm all alone. God's going to say, no, you're not. I went ahead of you. I preserved another remnant. And they're your partners, Israel. They're called believers in Yeshua. They stand with you. They protect you. They invest into you. They pray for you. They're concerned about your well-being and for your covenants. You're not alone, Israel. The believers in Yeshua are with you because they're a remnant just like you. You're both a royal priesthood and a holy nation. You're both adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. You both find the path of salvation through one way. You're both branches in God's olive tree. There's coming a day, friends, when Israel will have no friends except 
the body of Messiah, the believers, the other remnant, if you will, the partner remnant. And God created it that way. And that's where you and I, we get to do it. We get to be part of the scripture writings. We get to do what was prophesied. And so as we move forward in our discipleship semester on Wednesday nights or in our community groups throughout midweek or we're praying in the summit together or we're here on Sunday nights worshiping and hearing the word, I want to raise your vision higher. I want to make sure you get the big picture, the high goal, and you don't settle for something smaller. We have a major role to play in the end of this age. We have a major role to play, as Paul put it, in bringing life from the dead to this world. In Gentile remnant, we are to provoke Israel to jealousy that they may come to their Messiah. That revival will break out in Israel. And then Israel will do what it's always been called to do, which is bring the reality of God's kingdom to the earth. It's a bigger role than you might think. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that we get to be part of your plan, that you didn't just save us and put us on a shelf, that you didn't just save us and wash us clean, that we would just stand still and be a display in a window, that, that you called us to be part of this army, part of this family, part of the olive tree, part of the priesthood, part of the covenants, and we have a mission. And Father, we commit tonight, those in the room and those watching online, that as the end of the age approaches, as things become more and more dark and deceitful, we the believers commit to stand with Israel. We the Gentile believers, the remnant of the earth, commit to stand with our Jewish remnant brothers and sisters until we see all Israel saved, until revival can break out in the world, until life from the dead can be recognized. Holy Spirit, put this inside of us with power. Let us realize for the day in which we were called. Let us celebrate the goodness that you've called us to, an exciting time to be in the kingdom of God, an exciting time to live in Israel and to get to be part of this prophetic plan that is unfolding. And we thank you, Lord, that we get to be part of Israel's last friend. We get to be part of that. Let us do it faithfully in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.